0: It's the remix.
1: Where we are is more than one good day, one good plan, one good winning performance in terms of working our way back to respectability. So we're appreciative of the day, but we still understand exactly where we are. And um, we ain't running away from it. We're going to continue to run to it and, and, and get better and uh, prepare for our next opportunity.
2: There's a chance. Score for Schultz. And the Kraken break the shutout. Seattle on the rush, and defenseman Justin Schultz, the former Wisconsin manager, puts it by the right post, and Aiden Hill surrenders his first goal of the day. Vince Dunn, high slot, lefty passes, right, Burakovsky, lefty shoots, tipped in. power play goal for the Kraken. Downey Gordon was down in front, I believe, and Seattle now trails. Five to two with 3:43 to go in the third period.
1: You know he kept squirting through there, and you didn't he give up in the
2: locker room? Hell no.
1: What kind
2: of questions that, Phil. Just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one.
3: All right, I know what uh, cottage fries are. <laughs> cottage fried potatoes. Yep.
1: Are. They are. Think of a. They're fried potatoes, obviously, but to think of uh, what if chips were the entire side of the potato?
4: <laughs> so it's the thick medallion style. Yeah, kind
1: of like a like.
4: So there's a little bit of probably soft potato in the middle.
1: Right. Wow. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Uh, just reading through Babe Ruth's Wikipedia page. Um, uh,
1: deep fat fried and lard. Yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> Huge um, fan.
3: Babe Ruth was like a a, a medical experimentation. Uh, he was. Perhaps the first human to get some sort of cancer treatment. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this. Um, And he was also one of the first cancer patients to receive both drugs and radiation treatment at the same time. Wow. Apparently they would do one or the other. Uh, but because he was a famous baseball player, let's throw everything at this guy and see if we can, uh, cure him. Uh, he did go into remission once, but then he ended up dying. So there's your, if you missed it at the, uh, bottom of the last hour, uh, uh, end of the last segment, Babe Ruth ate a whole lot of food every day, apparently that we don't believe. And one of those was cottage fried potatoes. So the only reason that I might even
1: believe it a little bit is that there are stories about Jim Thorpe where during the Olympics he was hammered the entire time and would go win a gold medal yeah. and walk with the gold medal to a bar there are medical and marvels. drink the entire time until his next event where he would go win another gold medal. So there are people- Some people are just freaks.
3: All right, we're going to get more into hockey now. So nah, earlier I'm in out. the show, you proposed Golden Knights if they end up with three healthy goalies at the same time, right? It's Obviously, a win. There, it's could, a win. there could be an injury and they might not have three healthy goalies at the same time. But you suggested trading Laurent Brossois to solve that issue because the Golden Knights, uh, if you have Logan Thompson, Aiden Hill, and Laurent Brossois, You could conceivably carry three goalies. That doesn't Mm -hmm. happen very often. You could try sending Aiden Hill or Laurent Brossois through waivers to go to the AHL. You lose them for free. But another team could claim them. Or you could send Logan Thompson down, who does not have to go through waivers. But everything we've heard from Bruce Cassidy suggests that's the guy he wants to be the starter. So I would assume... That's not going to happen with this front office. It's probably foolish to assume things like LT's that.
4: LT's not going anywhere. But I
3: assume Logan Thompson is going to be on the roster the entire season, unless, you know, he plays extremely poorly at some point. So, your suggestion to sort of solve this problem would be to trade Laurent Broussois. Yep. Here's my first question for you Does Laurent Broussois coming off an injury have any trade value? Like, are you getting anything more than just like a sixth round pick for Laurent Broussois?
4: I mean, it's it certainly makes him less valuable, but it's also that it takes two to tango. If if you're a, if you have a team that's that desperate, it doesn't really matter that much. And if he's on the ice and he's got the full clear and everything else, like I, I think that teams will trust that. Um, but again, it, it's more about what the potential partner in their desperation level, like the Toronto Maple Leafs, they may not be desperate to, like, replace Matt Murray right now, but they should. Because this guy, there's something up with the bod. Like, goalies are very finely tuned, but poorly developed machines. Like, I got the hips and the knees and the back to prove it. It's it's going to be rough in the next 20 years for me. And these guys are at a, at a different level, too, because of just, just think of all the reps of going up and down and butterflies and how much just impact there is, how much weight distribution there There is, he has been injured pretty much every two seconds since he won the cups, the back to back cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And so, when they went out and traded for him from Ottawa, I'm like, well, they had to solve their goalie problem because Jack Campbell left in free agency and they didn't want to pay him. I don't know why they let him walk in the first place. Cause there wasn't anybody else better, but they're like, Oh, Matt Murray will save our ass. And then the Samson character from Washington, where it was a sub zero or sub 90 save percentage all year. So I'm sure that'll go super well at this team. And their plan is just basically to well, score more goals. But here's the thing. There are going to be times spent in the defensive zone and, I'm nervous if I'm Toronto because I have so much riding on this roster and Kyle Dubas, their GM, is on the tail end of the chances that he has to make it work with this roster. Like he is he is a candidate for being let go or walking away this season slash offseason. So I think that they're kicking the tires on a lot of options. Laurent Basois isn't a guy that's gonna cause a lot of drama if you bring him in. He's not gonna be, oh, I'm starter guy like we expect deference to him. But it might be a good band aid.
3: If you're the Maple Leafs or any other team do you need to see Laurent Brossois play in a game before you trade for him?
4: Mm, it would be nice, but no.
3: Because I think the idea of if the Golden Knights, because here's the thing, trading one of Laurent Brassois, Raidenhill, Hill, or even Logan Thompson, trading one of the three goalies would be good for Vegas because then they don't risk losing one of them right. for nothing, right? You Look, you know, even if it's just a sixth-round pick, you'd rather trade Laurent Brassois for a sixth-round pick than he go on waivers and somebody claim him, and now you don't have him at all um I do wonder like if Vegas trades a goalie I wonder if Aiden Hill would be more of a candidate simply because he has played a game and conceivably he's gonna True. play a couple more and
4: he's three years younger and he's making you know 200,000 less dollars so when you're talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs or other teams that are looking to do things are up against the cap that are stuff other matters. teams up
1: against the cap like lots the of people Knights. everybody <laughs> is
4: because the NHL's money situation isn't exactly like successful most of the time the flat cap at least for through this year and next and so there's a lot of teams that have big contracts that have been signed before the pandemic hit that really puts them in tough spots in terms of roster building that's why we've seen so many head coaches like all oh, the sh- shortest shelf life in coaching and professional sports right now is hockey because you got to make a change if your team isn't doing well so what's the easiest thing to do because those player contracts are fully guaranteed I fire the coach So there's all these different, you know, little consequences, but it's, it's nice to have a little bit of a stockpile. Um, and, and there's going to be desperation other than the Toronto Maple Leafs, because there's always, I still think there's a disruption to just the timing, everything, how much hockey some of these teams have played like the, uh, Tampa Bay lightning, just how late that they've played making three straight Stanley cup finals. Like that's going to catch up with you. Eventually
3: is Mark Andre Fleury bad. Oh, my God. He's having a rough start, guys.
4: It's really rough. So rough that the Minnesota Wild are scratching, healthy scratching their young, talented uh, Marco Rossi, who's basically like the next coming of of the talented group for them. They lost Kevin Fiala in the offseason, and they have not been able to score goals, but that hasn't been their problem. They haven't been able to keep goals out. Marc-Andre Fleury got pulled twice in the first two games. I watched uh, the Kings versus wild game. I think it was on Saturday and I wouldn't necessarily put the first three solely on his shoulders, but the fourth one long range uh, from the point, no screen in front. And he just lets it in blocker side. It's just when things aren't going well for him, it gets really gnarly really quickly. And so this is a team that has expectations on them. And with the Minnesota fan base, given how invested they are and just how, um, knowledgeable they are. It can get really weird, really fast there. So they're going to need to get a win tonight, and that's going to be tough because they're playing the Colorado Avalanche.
3: Do they have an answer if Flurry's not any good?
4: Well, they got rid of Cam Talbot, and then they took the uh, Ottawa Senators goalie from uh, them, who's kind of a young up-and-comer, but he's certainly not a guy who's established by any means. He shows flashes, but they've bet it all on Flurry. They've bet it all on Flurry. <laughs> It was, the plan was supposed to go with Flurry and Talbot and the Talbot and his agent didn't like yeah. that. And so if it was the, if it was the, the tandem, we'd be in a much different situation, but they're not. And, uh, this is a team that is in cap hell right now. Cause they had, uh, the Zach Parise and Ryan Suter buyouts, which is eating into their cap, at least for the next couple of years. And so, um, very interesting situation developing up there.
3: Um, so Minnesota with Mark Andre Fleury, have I, have I told they, I think they did the wrong thing, giving him a contract. I know it's only 3.5 million, mm-hmm. but. Um, I, if I ran an NHL team, I would treat goalies like, uh, the NFL treats running backs.
4: <laughs> what? That, what do you mean? Nobody,
3: not a single goalie is getting a big contract from me. Yeah. he's.
4: That's ridiculous. 2, no, million, that makes
3: sense. two million or less.
4: No, here's the problem is when teams give the big contracts to goalies they haven't developed. That's what gets teams into trouble. That's why Edmonton's never going to win Jack squat, because they can't develop a goaltender to save their life, so they end up paying a premium, an extra two and a half million dollars per year for an older guy, and you're in a more desperate position, so you have to take away pieces from other parts of your roster. But if you develop a net minor, if you get a Jake or uh, a Thatcher Demko, a Carter Hart who's playing really well. I mean, Philadelphia is up there in the power rankings right now, and people are basically putting writing them off for dead before the season even started but the influence of torts knows no bounds. or at least he yells really loud so you skate real hard um what are they three and oh? yeah something like that (laughs) it'll come back down to earth there but that's really where as we mentioned earlier with the economics that the nhl is in and just how their cap is set up the biggest area in which you can make or break a championship team is in the goaltending position it's just when you invest
3: I would never invest. I would find as I many. I hate 20, that take. I would find as many 23, 24 year olds that I could pay $750,000. So you'd be 000. like Jordan Brandington,
4: come on in. And then we're not going to side you to a long-term exactly. deal once he wins it. Wins 100% you
3: that is what it's I would gonna do. not going to
4: win over a locker room.
3: 100%. And it you would need be, goalies to be
4: magical creatures sometimes. They need something to believe in.
3: And some of them can be magical while getting paid $766,000. And that would be my, the rest of my team. I would try to obviously make them as good as possible. Spend all of my money on the guys that make the goalie less relevant and try to find one that's uh, average for $750,000 every year.
4: So you just want NHL scores to be like eight to seven every day? I'd be fine. But yeah. no, I
3: I believe that you can find goals. The,
4: the, the talent will start leaving that position then, or they'll start seeking out other sports like last 10 years since Ben Bishop came in, all of a sudden every goalie's like over six, five. We don't have to move as well. Like Andre Vasilevsky is huge, but he's also a go-go gadget arms. Like it, it, but those pipelines and those athletes have to choose that because they see that they can break in and get to that level of the business, make those types of contracts and stuff.
3: Not every team's going to do that. Teams still pay running backs in the NFL, like more Yeah, like so Christian McCaffrey. Other teams would do it, and they'd eventually catch up to me because I'd win a Stanley Cup ten straight years, obviously. And
1: then- it would take
4: away from the game <laughs> if you were to enact your plan. It would make the game worse. Just dead
1: in the puck. Dead in the puck.
4: Dead in the puck. No, (laughs) let's let's make more rules to make the life harder for goaltenders because the Fords can't score enough. Bring bring back ties.
3: Goalies are. They probably should bring back ties. Goalies are too protected.
4: Not at all. Mark
3: Andre is out here giving people wet willies in the playoffs, and everybody's like, "Oh, Oh, that's funny. That's unbelievable. Goalies can do whatever they want." don't get don't have to pay any because punishment. people are just
4: like just let them be that who they are because we don't really understand it. it's not because they're protected it's just that they we're not yeah, we're misunderstood protected.
3: they're like the quarterbacks of the nhl they're too protected so
4: we were the dispensable running backs and now we're the quarterbacks yeah, yeah, and yet you want us to get paid like seven hundred fifty thousand yeah, 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 we
3: yeah i mean i put,
4: would take right, a minimum right,
1: wage right I'd pay, there for I'd, that.
3: I'd pay you less than running backs yes yeah
1: wow so <laughs> you're protected like the quarterback you should be treated like the running back but you should be paid like the friggin punter Correct. No,
3: punters make way too much and money. Guess you, and guess what? You and you well, get okay. the D- AJ Cole's got like four million a you get the year. He acts like in. the kicker.
4: It's a it's a pass-fail thing.
3: Yeah. Don't pay him. Ridiculous. You're gonna don't. make me mad. <laughs> They're bags. You don't
4: want to see me angry.
3: They're meat bags
1: and they should be paid like With athleticism. I think I have a rule that would solve both the problems, which is just get rid of the salary cap. And if some Vax. idiot wants if some idiot owner wants to pay eighty million dollars to his goalie Hey man your your
3: your money you make that decision The world it- is
4: a better place with Igor Shustekin playing NHL hockey as a netminder yes, and making tons it. of money.
3: He's just going to make a million dollars if he's on my team.
4: He's not going to choose that line of work in Russia to he, go try to do that if you're already, not going to make any money.
3: He already chose it. It's not my problem. I know, but the it's next Esau, so the next
4: Marc-Andre Fleury, the next Cotta Hot.
1: Am I the only one a little confused by that? That the, the, kid, the kids in hockey get to pick their positions? Because I always got told by the coach, go into left field or
4: we could get into like psychology and economics i think there's a huge push towards professional athletes and and just that profession because it's the it's the industry where you can make the most money and do the least at least in terms of like preparation if that makes sense you you have to be a physical specimen you have to go through all of the development stuff but if you make it that's a whole different stratosphere and so i think people are willing to take those gambles over like engineering jobs sometimes. Coming
3: up next, Bischoff's Briefs gets into UNLV football. Bischoff's Briefs. I'm afraid
1: we need to use math. Bischoff's Briefs. I knew I should have checked your showboating globetrotter algebra. Bischoff's Briefs.
2: Man, I thought you knew that algebra was all razzmatazz.
1: Bischoff's briefs.
2: Yes, I
1: see. Something involving that many big words could easily destabilize time itself.
3: Bischoff's briefs today. Looking at UNLV football. Lost Air Force 42 7. Air Force. Ran the ball 76 times for 406 yards. Uh, UNLV only had 35 plays in that game. They did not eclipse 200 total yards as a team. But there is one particular drive from that game that stands out. First drive of the second half, Air Force had an 11-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. But here's the amazing part. Not only did Air Force run the ball on all 11 plays of that drive, Brad Roberts ran the ball on all 11 plays of that drive. Brad Roberts is the fullback in the Air Force offense. Air Force ran fullback dive 11 straight times against UNLV and scored a touchdown. 11 straight fullback dives for 75 yards and a touchdown. That's football! Is pathetic right we can talk about amazing it is
4: like how cool is it that they know exactly what's coming what you're gonna do and you still mash
3: I mean cool for Air Force not cool for UNLV because here, here's the thing we can talk about defending the option we, we had Mike Ramal yep. on earlier and I agree with them the idea of you shouldn't be spending extra time defending the option if you're UNLV because this game effect effectively doesn't mean a whole lot right maybe if you actually can compete for a mountain West championship. Hey, you might need to beat air force, but game doesn't mean a whole lot. So not going overboard on preparing for the option is fine, but this is not about the option. This is about air force running fullback dive 11 times in a row. And you not, his low, his shortest carry on the drive was four yards, right? It's not like, Oh, they, it's not like they knocked him back a couple of times and then he ripped off a 27 yarder. no, Everything always
4: forward progress was at
3: least four yards on this drive. Like that's, it's embarrassing that air force can do that against UNLV. And so when you look at UNLV football and the rest of this season, they just spent this entire game against air force, unable to tackle, right? Unable to get push and get a play behind the line of scrimmage, unable to tackle guys. Against San Jose State, their biggest problem was they couldn't tackle anybody down the field, right? They were actually in position a lot against San Jose State to make a play yeah. at the line of scrimmage, two or three yards down the field, but they couldn't do it. And everything turned into a five, six, 10, 12 yard play instead. This team got off to a four and one start and the defense looked good. I said on the show multiple times, it's the best the defense has looked since I've been here. You're right? saying
4: Rose Bowl bound.
3: i <sighs> I mean, your words. And That, and a lot of it, obviously the quarterback has a big part of it, but a lot of it was the defense Mm -hmm. actually looked competent, not great by any means, but looked like an average or above average Mountain West defense. And now the last two games, they look like every defense I've watched UNLB have for eight or nine seasons. Now they look like a defense. that's not any good. They look like a defense that other teams can do whatever they want, that other teams can come in and just line up and run the ball straight at them with the same guy. And they're not going to stop it. And so the big question, and I still don't know the answer to this, what do we see the rest of the season? Right.
4: What kind of failures are they? Because like, there's a there's a bunch of different ways you could take it. Is it angling? Are they are they committing to a to a tackle too early and just getting run through? Or are they getting caught in their heels and then getting run over? Like what do you think the kind of theme is?
1: I, I think that the the guard and center literally started like pulling a train conductor like whistle. Oh and so when, that's what happened. It's he's coming behind us, stop us.
3: So huh. The the problem, so the big difference to me from the first five games to the last two, UNLV in those first five games, their interior defensive line was getting a, they, they were winning the battle there. They mm-hmm. were not getting pushed backwards. And there were a handful of plays that were third and ones and fourth and ones where the interior defensive line just blew up the centers and the guards. Mm-hmm. Just and,
4: clogged it up. There wasn't even a chance they to get were, in the right, secondary. There
3: was, no, there was nowhere to go mm-hmm. on short yardage front plays. linebackers? And what's changed is the interior of this defensive line the last two weeks Hmm. hasn't won anything. They've gotten pushed backwards. There is no, there is no negative play for the other team. That's your
4: biggest stopgap to at least get them uh, not getting up to top speed.
3: And so now we've seen more what the defense looks like when a running back or it's sometimes been a quarterback, right? is running at them at top speed and able to make a move. And UNLV's defense can't make a tackle in those scenarios. They can't do it. UNLV's past defense, they've gotten a lot of interceptions, but UNLV's gotten burned in the past defense. Well, they didn't against Air Force, but in every other game they've played, they've gotten burned deep down the field. That's That's been a weakness of the defense the entire mm-hmm. time. But now...
4: At least they were stuffing the line, though. Right. You took away one option.
3: Short yardage situations, they, they were good early, and now they're it's not. not there. And so... I don't hmm. know what we get the rest of the year. I expect Notre Dame will run them over, even though Notre Dame just, I think they just tore 12 points in a game against Stanford. So maybe so there's not. a chance, but uh, I think Notre Dame will, will physically run over their defense, but then San Diego state's offense is pretty dreadful. So I, maybe they will. Cause if San Diego state could run the ball 76 times in a game, they would, uh, but I don't think they'll completely crush UNLV. I just don't know what to expect defensively their season because there's two problems for this team. The defense is suddenly awful again Mm -hmm. and the quarterback position with Doug Brumfield out. It's really hard to envision this team scoring many points in a game, right? Whenever he comes back Maybe it's this week against Notre Dame. Maybe it's the following week. Who knows, right? You got to hope that Concussion all the timing is,
4: is right away. Right. You can just snap back into things.
3: Whenever he comes back, he is a massive upgrade over Cameron Friel and Harrison Bailey, and that gives you a much better chance. But there's two massive issues. Quarterback position and is this defense really this bad? Coming up next, we'll be joined by Amber Theo Harris as we get into some NFL and the Raiders.
0: Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios, this is the Press Box with Granny and Bischoff. Featuring Lindsey Brown.
3: Joining us now, host on Sirius XM NFL Radio, Amber Theo Harris. Good morning, Amber. How are you today?
0: Good morning. I'm glad to be on with you guys. How's everybody doing?
3: We are great this morning, but we need your help answering a question. We saw Kansas City and Buffalo play but we don't know the answer to who's the third best team in the AFC.
0: The third. Oh, that's a good one. Let me think. The third best team is the Baltimore Ravens who should be six and zero. So, <laughs> but so they are the not. first,
3: the first three quarters of the Baltimore Ravens is the third best. <laughs> they
0: team. are the third best team through three quarters I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. Um, yeah, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to think. I mean, that was the, that's the first team that comes to mind. Um, because I, that's a t- I always say this, look, who would I not want to play? Um, I say this about the Raiders, too. Who would I not want to play, especially late in the season in the playoffs? And I think that Ravens team just needs to get it together, but I wouldn't want to play them in the playoffs. And um, I say the same thing about the Raiders right now. I've been saying this all along. I get that the Vikings and the Giants are 5-1, and one, but if you ask teams that are really competitive, say, you need to win – would you rather play the Giants, Vikings, or the Raiders? I-, I would pick the Giants or Vikings first if I need a win. I-, I know the Giants are convincing me a little bit more, but the Raiders are a tough team. So I think this the first part of this season is a little confusing. Do I think Green Bay and Tampa aren't going to be in it in the end? Absolutely not. They're going to be in it. So I think these records and, um, you know, the slow start and some weirdness where teams that aren't supposed to win are winning. I mean, we saw – The Jets win, the Steelers win, the Giants win. (laughs) I don't think anybody expected uh, the Falcons won. So it's, it's a very confusing start to the season this year
4: for sure. Yeah, for me, the only difference between the Raiders, the Vikings, and the Giants is that the Raiders haven't really figured themselves out on offense, and that's where most of the focus has been. But I want to talk about the defense first and get your take. Where do you think the Raiders' defense is in the NFL right now? a Top third, middle, or bottom? Because they're great at hurrying quarterbacks, but getting home and getting those sacks, that's where they definitely fall off.
0: Well, look, I, I, I haven't checked their rankings here coming out of the bye week, so I'm a, belie- a believer that if you look at Look, I hate to be Bill Parcells, but, like, you are what what your ranking or your record says you are. (laughs) There are certain things the Raiders' defense does very well, um, like rushing the passer, getting pressure, quarterback hits. Clearly, Max Crosby is the best in the NFL, is tied for sacks going into into the bye week. Of course, he didn't have last week to get any sacks, so um, he's behind now. But uh, the problem, I think, is I think the secondary is growing. I think there's some depth. That we're finding out about that that's a positive um, at times tackling can be an issue especially tackling an open space um, so I don't know where I would rank them right now um, but I would definitely I definitely think that there is a tremendous amount of upside um, I love the leadership that we're seeing from guys like Deron Harmon that you didn't expect in the secondary in particular I'd love to see Denzel Perryman stay healthy because when he's out there it's a different situation uh, I'm not worried about the pass rush. I think that's going to be a strength. So it's it's a matter of kind of putting it all together for the Raiders defense.
3: At one and four, they're going to have to go on a pretty significant run to get back into playoff contention. And the schedule does set up potentially nicely for them after the bye. But do you think they can do that with the run game being the focal point of the offense? Or are they going to have to get more out of Derek Carr in the passing game to go on a you know four and one, five and one type of stretch to get back into the postseason picture?
0: I think they can't do it without the run game. I think if they think that they're going to be a pass-first team, then they will not make the playoffs. They will not get back into the playoff picture. This team, in my opinion, their identity is Josh Jacobs. When you have a running back like Josh Jacobs, it's, it's football 101. You pound the football. And what does that do? It makes... You know the opposing defenses drop a safety down. They have to account for him. It, it helps with play action. It it opens up everything for these receivers that the Raiders have, and the Raiders have some of the best receivers in the game. I mean, if you want Devonte Adams to reach his full potential, pound the football with Josh Jacobs, and then when you're up, still pound the football, and when you're down, still run the football. If it's early in the second half, I I just think I'm so I've been very adamant about this on every show that I go on. If you get away from that identity, it's it's not going to work. And I know it's easy when you have a guy like Devontae Adams to say, just throw it to him. You know, all last year he had 11 targets a game with Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron would throw it into double coverage, and he made big plays, and so we don't care if he's if, if uh, he's in double coverage. I get that. But that doesn't work, or it helps him more when you have a run game established. And it's very hard to defend an offense that is multifaceted, but it, it it begins and ends with Josh Jacobs. Give him the ball.
4: We're talking with Amber Theo Harris about the Raiders' running game and just to, uh, a little bit more on Josh Jacobs. He's playing on a on a prove it deal. They didn't pick up his fifth year option. Uh, what exactly would he have to do for production wise, not to just earn a new deal here, but command one?
0: Uh, I mean, what he's doing <laughs> and just keep
4: sustaining it to that level.
0: Yeah, if you keep putting up 154 yards and two touchdown, one-two touchdowns the game, I'm pretty sure they're, they're, the Raiders would be thrilled to pay the man. Um, look, it he was injured last year, and the Raiders didn't pick up his fifth-year option, didn't give him a long-term deal. Um, and that makes people mad, and that challenges people. And true winners respond. I've covered the game a long time. True winners respond, and they say, all right, you asked me to prove it, I'm going to prove it, I'm going to leave no doubt in your mind. And that's what Josh Jacobs is doing. I mean, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to really sit down with Josh Jacobs, the guy is, uh, his makeup is that of a winner. He takes things as they, they come. He doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. I don't, think he, I don't think he got too high or low about not getting picked up. I think what he did was said, all right, I got a job to do, and I know I can do it when healthy, and he's proving that to the entire NFL right now. I mean, he's, he's been amazing. It's probably one of the most underreported stories of the NFL.
3: Amber Theo Harris with us. Uh, so would you be willing to sit in a van for 15 hours to get from Buffalo to Kansas city to play a game like Jordan Poyer did? <laughs>
0: um, yes, I would. If, if that was my job and look, uh, I don't think a lot of NFL players would, but I think it, it separates Jordan Poyer as a competitor. Um, and look, he thought that's what he needed to do to help his team and he did it. And you've got to give him credit. There's not a lot of NFL players that, you know, would say, you know, most of them are like, where's my private jet? You need to clear me right now. Or, you you know, whatever it is, uh, they wouldn't have jumped into a van and, and gone 15 hours. But that was that was a really cool story over the weekend. I, I give him credit for just wanting to be there for his team and competing.
3: If they were playing in Seattle, does he still ride in a van? <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's easy to be noble, right? When it's only 15 hours, but when you when you get into a you know a couple day trip, man, eh, I don't I don't know about that. He might have reconsidered at that point.
4: <laughs> uh, Bill O'Brien left Houston in a state of depletion, but now we're a couple years removed from his power monopoly, and they haven't been great, but they've managed to keep things close, especially defensively. How are they finding success on that side of the ball, and how capable are they to slow down a hopefully fully stocked Raiders offense?
0: Look. I- I, I don't think you underestimate anybody in the NFL. But let's put that out there first. And Lovey Smith is a hell of a coach. Um, he is going to put a competitive team on the field, and defense is his thing. So they have to consider that. Um, that being said, the Texans aren't a good team. But that's a fact. They're just not a good football team. They still have to score points. It doesn't matter uh, how well the defense plays and maybe slowing down the Raiders' offense. They still need to score points, and that's been difficult for them. So um, I... I, I caution the Raiders and all of Raider Nation to look at these next four games and think they're going to be four wins. It's very difficult to win in the NFL. Um, luckily, the Houston Texans game is at home, and so I think this is a, definitely a game that the Raiders win. But you know, I look at things like going up against the Saints. The Saints aren't an easy out, and they're definitely not an easy out in New Orleans. You know, That's in three weeks from now. So these next four games, the Raiders should look at as an opportunity but definitely should not be overlooking Uh, These teams that have proven that they can play teams very hard, and they can sneak up on you.
3: Amber, before we let you go, where can people see or hear you this week?
0: Um, I always say I'm all over the place, so check check out my Twitter at ambertheoharris. It's one word, one R. Uh, Or you can follow me on Instagram at ambertheo1. And I always kind of keep people posted before I'm I'm going on somewhere. all over SiriusXM, uh, SiriusXM Fantasy. You can catch me there this morning if you want to check out how your fantasy team is doing. I'll be on at uh, 10 a.m. Pacific uh, with my buddy Michael Fabiano, who's the best. So uh, start there today. We'll get we'll get your fantasy team right here going into week seven.
3: Well, she is Amber Theo Harris. Amber, thank you so much for joining us, uh, and we appreciate it.
0: Thanks for having me, guys. Enjoy your week.
3: Absolutely, so, Amber Theo Harris. Uh, right after our show, you can go listen to find out. Uh, what you need to do to fix your fantasy team. I need help yeah but you're playing in a league with linebackers and stuff
4: yeah I'm 0-5 I think I lost by like 200 points yesterday so at least it was close
3: does your league have a punishment for last place
4: no uh, I don't I, I need to a, start I need you to have start to league like to that.
3: play in the league
4: correct I might not be invited back
3: <laughs> we have a uh, Charles McDonald who comes on the show every week yeah. he's his fantasy league one of the ones that he's in if he finishes in last he's got to do a stand-up comedy routine just like at an open mic that's fine is it
1: I think it'd be fun. It's kinda of like what we do. I mean in a okay. different way. I all right. That's fair, but I will say like the number one fear of people is public speaking. Right. Yeah. No, and that's then true. put on top of that, you have to do public speaking and make us laugh. Right. Well be funny.
4: at least I still have a chance because I got Russell Wilson and Cortland Sutton tonight. So if they can get two hundred and fifty points, I should be able to secure my first one of the
3: season. You think you have a chance? Maybe
4: you, you never know. They might go off. I don't know the scoring system. What if Russell Wilson scores points five? Points? Who knows? If he, you, you, I got Joe Burrow at seventy-two yesterday.
3: Yeah, that's a weird scoring system. And and doing? Joe Burrow was the best quarterback in fantasy football, I believe, yesterday. Thank so goodness Russell about Wilson, damn time. So Russell Wilson has to be. Better. Three times as good as the best fantasy performance. Maybe yesterday. he went
4: to Dr. Shin and got that next level healing that he got in Seattle. Yeah, I he's think hurt. I, you know too. what? I just you know, I, I'm feeling it.
3: No, I'm he flew to more, he flew to LA to get the shot, not Seattle. It's the winds of change, Shelman. I don't think that's happening. Cortland Sutton
4: for
1: two tids. How are and how are you
3: dollars. going to steal momentum <laughs> for we, your can, fantasy can can we football team? Can we be
1: a little a little bit safer with the word tids? That I said it. it. I
4: walk up to the line, but I never cross it. It's
3: fine. All right. What are we giving away? Tickets to go see the Golden Knights. Uh, They take on the Winnipeg Jets on Thursday. And we've got a pair of tickets for you. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. If you want to go out to Golden Knights and Jets on Thursday, be caller number 10. It's 702-364-1100. You want a pair of tickets? See the Golden Knights on Thursday.
1: Weeks on Eastern.
0: Shock factor, very high. Um, Disappointment, very high. It's crushing. You're locked in the press box.
3: God, I can't wait for Ed to be back tomorrow. Um, (laughs) Are we going with Oh No as the Open? I don't care what you play as the Open. Um, Did any of you see on, at any point during the weekend, people complaining about the Major League Baseball playoff format? Yes. Because the LA Times wrote a story. I, I should say this. An editor for the LA Times that is a Dodgers fan wrote a story suggesting that, saying no matter what, the Dodgers were the best team in baseball this year. Like, no matter what happens, they should be the champions. That was phenomenal. Um,
1: bold take, but and, all right.
3: And lots of Dodger fans on Twitter were like, well, yeah, obviously we're the best team. Of course. And now everybody's complaining about two things one, that the divisional round. Are five game series, and they think it's unfair that it should be a seven game series. And two, they're complaining that the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Astros, and the Braves got five days off at the end of the season before their first playoff game.
4: Killed the momentum.
3: And yeah, which is also ridiculous. And now I'm seeing tweets from like Buster Olney and other people that cover baseball trying to suggest how they should change the playoff format. This is phenomenal. I can't. I cannot get enough of Excuse this. Excuse computer. The for Dodgers sure. lose a playoff series, and everybody is like, "This is this is not the Dodgers' fault. This is clearly the format's fault." We we accepted them going to going to the World Series and losing. We're all fine with right. that. I can I, understand
4: the seven games argument. I, well,
3: would what? it be they'd be down three to one to the podcast Right, it right might now.
4: not change anything. But I would rather just do it seven games like we've done traditionally. But that's just me.
3: So, and here's the thing: I know. I know Ed is not going to agree with any of that because Ed is actually has a head on his shoulders and is Mm -hmm. not a moron like Ed tomorrow. He's going to be sad, but he's going to be like, yes, the Padres beat the Dodgers. He's not going to walk in here and be like, oh, got to change the playoff format because the Dodgers lost. I kind
1: of want him to come in and look like Leonardo DiCaprio from the Revenant. Oh, God. Like he's just Completely been out disheveled. the and he goes,
4: what happened to the Dodgers? I've been watching the films for the last 14 hours.
3: It would be funny if he didn't know what happened, but he absolutely does. Because his big fear was people he knows that are Padres fans getting right to him. So. That's why
4: he's off the grid that he doesn't get all the pings today, right? <laughs> he
3: doesn't get the cell phone service. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Stay off the telephone. All right.
3: Before, before we finish this show, can you share with the audience how many hours you were on your phone oh yesterday? Oh, my
4: God. Oh, I, I literally lost too. sleep over this yesterday. I'm so disgusted with myself. 13 hours.
3: Mm,
4: and the thing that's is a lot. that that's so much and it I am not saying I do 13 hours often, but I spend way too much time on this thing. But I'm, it's mostly because I spend a lot of time alone, so it's like what else am I supposed to do? But like I I'm really starting to take a hard look at the phone. Like I I really want to get a, a hard
2: look for 13 <laughs> hours. We know.
4: <laughs> no, like I'm really good at cutting things out of my life. And so I, I think this will be the biggest challenge because it's just, it's so convenient to just hop on your phone at any point because you're bored or you're trying to pass time and stuff like, and that's exactly how it's, how it's built to be.
3: I was only on my phone for six hours and 25 minutes yesterday. Uh, last week, I averaged five hours and 10 minutes and I would consider myself somebody that is addicted to my phone. And yeah,
4: hundred percent. You were on it twice as much
3: right now i, I was playing say, a
4: game for most of it so there's that but like it's still it, i just it think good, about yeah. Them, yeah, hold on. Yeah. yeah, you can't just. Yeah, look, it's look, called look, outlanders look. it's a good game i like it it's, what do you do you build a town and then you gather resources and then you complete
3: challenges all right am i am i wrong for thinking that's not that bad yeah like it's if you would spend i'm
4: still putting the blue light in my brain though like yeah, i'm still but like, staring if you at the spent,
3: screen if you had spent five hours on your phone and eight hours playing an xbox
4: yeah no that's true i just i used to play my xbox a lot now but i just i've spent so much since the pandemic it's just it's in my phone in my hand way more often than not and so i'm trying to create little like i'll move the the app to a different screen or i'll take it off the home screen or i'll put the time limit on and then it won't work because i was like oh yeah, three hours of tiktok today i'm like blown by just goodbye it's fine what else do i need except for like social interaction it's fine i'm fine it's fine
3: yeah your phone's better than people
4: I should probably be talking more just out of practice, though, because it's kind of important. I
3: mean, you can talk to your phone while you use it.
4: Yeah, but not in a full-blown conversation.
3: You can try harder. You can try. Talk
2: to Siri. See if she'll have a conversation with
4: you. Siri's not very nice to me. She never gives me the answers that I seek, and so I just kind of push her to the side.
3: So your your most used app is that game?
4: Probably.
3: Because I'm looking last week, my most used app was Twitter followed by TikTok, and then followed by my fantasy football app. Oh, man. Which I only use on Sundays as I scrolled through here. I used it for two hours last week and, and all of that except just for like Just the notifications.
4: Minutes. It's just like it's constantly pinging you. It'd be like, look at me, look at me, look at me. it's It is the most invasive piece of technology we have ever
2: invented.
3: But the most convenient.
2: Yesterday I spent four hours and 52 minutes, and three hours of that was watching the Cowboys game. On my phone.
3: What? On your phone? Yeah. Where were you? Uh, just out and about. You can just things. watch stuff
4: without being on your phone. That's what I struggle with, too. Like, I got to be doing something else in addition to watching.
2: Oh, no. Like, well, because also, um, Picture, we're, pictures we're watching... Uh, <laughs> having six TVs. Uh, <laughs> what are we watching? Stranger Things. Huh. And I haven't seen it, so I was paying attention. Fair. So.
4: Yeah. You have to have a lot of intentionality in your life these days to avoid a lot of these pitfalls.
3: Wait a minute, wait a minute. You look very confused, Tyler. You were watching Stranger Things, but you had the Cowboys-Eagles game on your phone. Correct and you're telling me that you were paying attention to Stranger Things.
2: Correct. Yeah, just, you just don't watch go, the
3: Cowboys and Eagles. You well, walked in on all, all your bad
4: beats all, in the Cowboys game first of all, earlier.
3: I have to watch the Cowboys
2: game because I'm a fan. Then don't watch have, Stranger have, Things. There's, no, I didn't have the volume. One. I didn't have the volume on the game, but I had it like on my armrest on the couch, and then I had
3: Stranger you Things on the TV. You have no idea what happened in Stranger Things. We're going to do think. a PowerPoint. I do. PowerPoint. You don't have a clue. I do. We
2: have two episodes left, and then we're done with the series. There's no way you
3: were paying attention to stranger things except during commercials i was i do not believe you pick one if you're a cowboys fan watch the cowboys game we live in the pacific time zone you can watch stranger things after the game is over
2: Nah, that's too late oh, god that's too late multitasking 10 to 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 like 30 it's that's two hours after the game ended i go to bed then too yeah but the the episodes are an hour and a half i can only get one